Well, welcome everyone. Good to see you all today. Can we give a shout of praise to our God? Amen. Good to see you all. Man, it's great to come together again to worship on our second week of reopening, and it's been amazing so far, isn't it? Man, it is so good to start gathering again. And so I want to take the time to welcome all of our campuses. My name is Omar, and I serve as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And a big shout out to everyone watching online and everyone at our home gatherings. Let's go ahead and welcome them. Thank you so much for joining us. And today's a great day because we are starting a brand new series entitled Raise Them Up. And we're going to be looking at how to really parent our children in the middle of a hectic world, but in a way that honors Christ. And so whether you're married, you're a parent, maybe you're single, you're a grandparent, maybe a mentor, I think there's a series that's going to teach a lot of us on the really the principles of godly parenting, all right? So if you don't mind, I'm going to read today's word, today's um passage for us. We've been going through the book of Colossians, and today I'll be reading from Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. And here's what God's Word says. It says this. It says, so fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become what? Lest they become discouraged, right? Parents have the ability to encourage or discourage our children. That is God's Word. You can go ahead and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. You know, when I got here to CF a long time ago, I was part of a group of friends that one of them was studying pottery. And every, every other week, she would make pots for us. She would make mugs, bowls, all these different things. And we would have coffee in them. I thought it was the coolest thing. And I think what's so fascinating about pottery is that when the potter starts, he starts off with a very simple lump of clay. And, and this lump of clay is moldable, it is soft, it is just, it, it is, it's just perfect to be molded, and the potter has the ability to shape this clay to whatever it wants. And so as the process starts and it starts moving around, listen, every single action that the potter takes has a direct impact as to what this clay is going to look like eventually. And so if the, if the potter is careful, if the potter is intentional, listen, he goes on, they go on to do some amazing pieces of art. In fact, take a look at this video. Pretty cool, right? But listen, do not miss the, the point, church family, because the potter is in the unique position to directly shape the future of this clay with every single action that he takes. Now, family, let me just bring all of that over to our teaching for today, because what an image of the position that a parent ha is, has in, relational, in relation to their children. 
And by that I mean that just like that potter, right, is in the unique position to shape that clay to whatever he wants. Listen, just like that, and here's the big idea for this weekend. Listen, parents are in the unique position, entrusted by God, to shape the future of their children. Listen, to shape their future emotionally and to shape their future spiritually. And who knows, maybe you're out there right now, you're thinking, Pastor, I know exactly what you mean. Because I've seen in my own life how my actions have a, have a, a direct impact into how my children have developed. And so, Omar, what are the things that I need to know in order to shape my child in the way that honors Christ? What do I need to know? We're going to find out from Colossians chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 3 or open up your apps. And today I have two thoughts for you on how you can shape your child. Write this down as point number one. To start off, listen, you need to understand that parents can easily shape a discouraged heart. A discouraged heart. Now, let's go to the passage for today. Listen to what it says. It says fathers, or it can also be translated into parents. So parents, do not provoke your children lest they become what? Discouraged. Now, if you have your Bibles open, circle the word provoke and discouraged. Because the word there, provoke, in the original Greek text, you know, we always like to remind you that the Bible is written in Greek and Hebrew and then translated into different languages. Well, the word there for provoke, it means to, to stir up, to agitate something. And then the word there for discourage, it, 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 it's, it's a Greek word that just sets up the tone of to lose energy or, or for a child to lose passion. And so here's what God's word is trying to address. It's a pattern that, of, of, of treatment that gradually builds up deep-seated discouragement, deep-seated anger, and eventually, listen, it boils over to rebellion. Now, when many parents, when they, he, when they read this verse, here's a mistake that they may make. He, they may say, well, Omar, listen, I actually want the best for my child, and I would never, 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 I would never want to discourage them. And so I don't really feel like that verse applies to me. But here's what I would just say, listen, a parent's propensity to discourage their child is much greater than we may realize. Now process this with me for just a moment. Because there are only two places, uh, because it, by the way, in the Old Testament, there are many verses that address parents, but in the New Testament, there are only two places that specifically address parents. One of them is the verse we're looking at, which is the book of Colossians. And the other one is in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And so listen to what the other passage states. It says this. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so family, notice for a moment. I want to call your attention to something. The only two places in the New Testament where it specifically addresses parents, in both passages, there is a clear command to be sure that parents do not discourage 
They're children. And, and so, and so the, I think the reason that God focuses so much on this issue is because since parents have a position of authority over their child, it is easy for them to lead them to the point of discouragement. And listen, folks, and they might not even know it. They might not even realize that they're discouraging your child. And so I want to just challenge all the parents who are watching right now. I want to challenge you to just approach the scriptures with a sense of humility. Because if God's word is so explicit in those two places in the New Testament, then there might be something behind parents provoking their children to discouragement and not even realizing it. And so here's some of the ways that we may tend to discourage our children. Write this down as letter A. We can discourage them through overprotection. Overprotection. Now, listen, I know that every parent, right, we want to protect our children. We love them. But what happens is that far too often parents can take this God-given desire to protect our children to an extreme level. And they have strict rules about everything. They say no to everything. And so what happens is that the child gets to a point where they feel that their actions, it doesn't matter what they do, they still can't do it. It's still, it's still wrong. And so it leads them to a place of rebellion. And so family, here's what I want to suggest to all of us that we do as parents. Is that we are to say no to our children whenever we know that they're going to be significantly harmed. But here's what I would say. Let's start saying yes as much as we can. Say yes. You know, and I realize that as parents, it's easy for us to say the word no to our children way more than we say yes. You know, when my little girl Camila, when she started speaking, one of her first words was no. And she doesn't say no. She says, nyo. That's what she says. She says, nyo. Now, not the Cuban nyo, right? The, the Camila no. So she says, she walks around the, same, the house saying, nyo, 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 nyo. And she keeps just walking around saying nyo. And I started to realize that the reason that she says no so much is because she hears us say no so much to her. And I think that carries on from childhood all the way to adulthood. We, we say no to our children way more than we say yes to them. And so as I was studying and I was processing, it's, I find it interesting that when it comes to our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father says yes to us way more than He says no. You know, he gives us freedom to explore. Even if he knows we're going to get scuffed up in the, in the process, he gives us freedom to explore so that when he says no, we know that it's because it's truly going to harm us. And so I think we should follow the example of our Heavenly Father. And whenever we can say yes, say yes. Say the word yes. Give them freedom so that when we say no, guess what? They know that it's going to to be to, to harm significantly and so we need to we need to give them the freedom to explore a little bit and so here's another way write this down as small as, as letter b we can also discourage our children through over expectations now family i want to spend some time here because i really feel this is huge for parenting listen it's normal for parents to have expectations of their children right i think it's just something that every child needs some sort of expectations, some sort of goals in life. 
Listen, but there are times that our expectations go way too, too far and we expect too much of our children. And you know what I think some of it lands? It's because of comparison. You know, oftentimes what we do is that we compare one child, get this, to another child, to another sibling. And, you know, we all know that children are all gifted in different ways, right? Some have strength and weaknesses, and the other child, right, has another strength, another weakness. So here's what tends to happen oftentimes. We grab the strength of a child, of one of the siblings, and we expect the other sibling to match up. Even if they're not gifted that way, even if they don't lean that way, we put expectations on them that it doesn't matter how hard they try, listen, they'll never meet them. And so if one of them is good at sports, listen, pretty much the other one, listen, you need to be as good as your brother, as good as your sister. You need to work harder. You know, if one is good in academics, then you put the same expectation on the other child. If they're successful at something, you put that expectation on the other. And here's what happens. When you start playing that game of comparison with the siblings and setting, and setting expectations for each other instead of individually, what happens is that, that sibling... That child that cannot meet the expectations set by their parents comes to a place where they get discouraged, and guess what? They end up actually being bitter against their sibling. Why? Because all of their life, they lived in the shadow of their sibling, and they felt they could never measure up to mom or dad. And so listen, oftentimes when we counsel, we see this. We see that they have deep rooted issues with a sibling, and it's because of this, because the parents set expectations on them by comparing them to another sibling. And here's another person that we may compare them to that you may not realize. You already? It's yourself. Oftentimes, we compare our children to ourselves. And, 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 and through that, listen, we may place unrealistic expectations on that child. Listen carefully. Because sometimes parents will relive their lives through their child. And here's what I mean by that. Parents want to either, their children, their child, to either match them and their success. See, if they were successful, they want their child to match their success. Or, or if they were a failure, if they failed at any point in life, now they want their child to supersede and be successful where they failed. And so if, so if, if, let's suppose, for example, if a dad was great at sports, he's going to expect his son to be just as great as he was. Or if, it, if, if a dad is, wasn't that good at sports and failed along the way, now he wants to relive their life through their son and put expectations on them to be a type of player, to be a super athlete. All the resources go to that. All the weekends go to the games. Every single time there's a practice. And so what happens is that oftentimes the parents are the ones who put expectations on their children that's not really theirs, but their own. Listen, again, there's nothing wrong with setting expectations, but parents, be careful that the expectations that you're setting are not your own expectations and desires, but rather it's the desire of the child. You know, the other day I was having lunch with someone here from our church. It's a young man in his 20s. And his father is a successful businessman. He owns some businesses. And at some point, just recently, he was just sharing with his dad, with his family, 
that he felt like God was calling him into the ministry. And so when he went to his dad to tell him the news, hey, I feel like God's calling me to serve him, the father, instead of encouraging him, the father began to discourage him. See, he started saying, listen, Omar, uh, let, it wasn't me, but it was, listen, son, listen, you can do, you can do whatever you want. Listen, you can do, listen, you can be a Christian, but listen, you don't, you don't need, you, you don't need to completely give into it. You can make so much money. You can take over my business. And so through all that season, this poor young, young man who had a calling from God, because his father was putting his expectations on what he thinks his son should be like, his son ended up being discouraged and their relationship has never been the same. And so his family, parents, be careful that the expectations that you put on your child are not your own expectations to meet your desires, but really is what that child desires to do. So here's a third way. Write this down as letter C. It's easy for us to discourage through over-discipline. Over-discipline. You know, even though discipline is a critical part of parenting, and there is a time and a place for discipline, the reality is that parents could easily get to a point where we over-discipline our children, to to the point of really oppression and even borderline abuse in the way that we speak to them, in the way that we treat them. And so today, I'm not going to go too much deep into this topic of disciplines because, by the way, next week, the entire sermon is going to be about the importance of discipline and how to do it. So be back next week for that. But I just want you to just to think through that, that the reality is that one of the ways that we can discourage our children is through over-discipline. So parents, just be careful that we don't act in ways that end up discouraging our children. But instead, listen, write this down as big number two. Instead, parents should shape an encouraged child. Now, let's go back to the text. Let's do what it says. It says, so fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become what? Discouraged. Now, what is the opposite of discouraged? It's being encouraged. And so, and so the reality is that a big charge that we have as parents is to, is, is to raise up children who are encouraged, but not encouraged in the things of this world, not about the things of what they can do on their own, but rather be encouraged in Christ. Amen? And, and so here's what happens. Oftentimes as parents in a hectic world, here's what happens. We can be so consumed with all the things going on in our children's lives, who, you know, who are their friends? What are they watching on Netflix? What, who's their uh, Instagram? You know, what's going on Fortnite? What's going on TikTok? What's going on all these things, right? That we get so consumed with all these different things in their children's lives that what happens is that in the process, we neglect the fact that one of our main responsibilities as parents given to us by God is to raise children who are encouraged, who are hopeful, who are joyful in the Lord. And here's one way that you can shape an encouraged child. Write this down at small letter A. It says we encourage them through God's promises. Through God's promises. 
In fact, let's go now to the, to, the, to the verse in the book of Ephesians, the other text in the New Testament. Listen to what it says. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, for the remainder of the time, I'm going to switch versions. We study here the, the, the English Standard Version. But for the remainder of the time, I'm going to switch to the King James Version. It's an old English version, but I think it captures the, 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 the meaning behind the, this passage even better than modern translations. Listen to what the King James says. It says this, And ye fathers, you got to love that old English, right? And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the what? In the what? In the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now circle the word nurture for just a moment. Because the word nurture there in the original Greek text is the word paideia. And the word paideia is where we get the word pediatrics in, 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 today's, in, in the English language. So the general thought behind the word nurture in this passage is that it, you, you're shaping the character and the virtues of a child. You're, you're nurturing them to grow up. But what's interesting is that if you look at that verse, it's not just nurturing a child simply with the philosophy and the logical wisdom of this world, but rather, what does it say? In the nurture of the Lord. And so as a parent, listen, we have a big responsibility for us to speak the truth of God to our children, for us to tell them the promises of God, especially in those critical moments. In those critical moments as they're growing up that we really help them understand all the promises of God. And so I wanna just take a moment and just ask yourself, wherever you're watching, ask yourself this question. What percentage of your conversation with the Lord, oh, I'm sorry, with your child, deals with the truth of God, with the promises of God? Right, someone was just clocking how much, what percentage of your conversations with your child is about the Lord, His truth, His promises. What percentage would that be? See, every conversation should be flavored with God's promises, one way, shape, or form. You know, me personally, you know, growing up, uh, I was extremely blessed with two amazing parents. My mom and dad, even though they got divorced when I was young, man, my dad was terrific. He always loved on me. He encouraged me. He always has supported me every single step of the way. The only thing is that he's not a believer in Christ, so even though he's loved and encouraged me, he hasn't really encouraged me in the Lord, right? He hasn't really spoken God's promises to me. But my mom, on the other hand, by the grace of God, she is a believer. And as I've grown up, listen, my mom has always reminded me of God's promises. You know, ever since I was a little boy, she would tell me that God's promises, His truth helped me understand, and that began to shape me as I grew. And listen, even as a pastor that's almost 40 years old, listen, even today when I go to my mom, and I tell her things are going on, when I have to make hard decisions, when I'm discouraged, my mom is still there to still love me and encourage me and always reminding me of God's promises and His Word. And so, and, and so family, listen, our conversations, listen, 
But whenever you have the opportunity, be sure that you're reminding your children of that. You know, going back to the opening illustration, you know, the way that you shape your child, if you think about it, right, is by telling them God's word, right? The promise. And as you, the more you tell them, you're shaping them. And, and, and as they're reasoning God's truth and God's word, right, they're shaping into an encouraged child, a child that, that believes in the Lord, that trusts the Lord, that has a joy in the Lord. But here's my warning to you. Now, some parents may take the position that, listen, they don't want to impose their faith on their child. And so somewhere along the way, they said, you know what? I'm not going to impose what I believe on my child. I want them to let it be their own faith. And so here's what happens. Somewhere along the line, here's what they do. They take their hand off the clay. And here's what happens. The moment that a parent takes his hand or her hand off of that child and stops molding them with God's word, with God's truth, guess what? Other hands are going to put their hand on their child and start molding them. And they have their promises. The promises of the world are going to start shaping them. Listen, people on social media are going to start shaping them. Athletes, media, all these different, th- all these different people are on all these social networks. Well, they come, they come, and they're friends at school, and they start shaping them with the promises of the world. And so parents, listen, make sure, obviously, we're not going to force them to believe, but parents, don't make the mistake of saying, you know what, I'm going to remove myself, and I'm not going to really shape my child with God's truth. You know why? Because someone else is going to shape them. Amen? And so listen, family, make sure that you are shaping them with God's truth. But there's another way that you can shape them. Write this down as letter B. You can encourage them through God's warnings, through God's warnings. In fact, let's go back to the passage. This is what it says. It says, but bring them up in the nurture and what's the next word? A little louder. And admonition of the Lord. Now, the word there, admonition, there's only two other places there in the New Testament where uh, that, that's, that, that word is found. And every time is a very, it's a word with strong warning. And so what, what, what the Lord is saying in that passage is, listen, make sure that you're not only nurturing them with God's truth, with God's promises, but that you're also warning them about the promises of the world. Make sure that you are warning your child that if they deviate from God's truth, that there are consequences to it, to, to deviating. And family, listen, here's what you need to understand, that even if the child refuses to heed those warnings, you've done your job, right? You as a parent, you're supposed to remind them of God's warnings. Listen, even when they fail, you know how you can shape them and and encourage them? By reminding them of God's sovereignty over their life. By reminding them that God still has a purpose for their life, of God's mercy and of God's grace. So family, let's be shaping our children, not only with God's promises, right? but with his warnings as well. So let me end with this. You know, many of us have heard this famous quote by the famous poet Maya Angelou. And she said this. She said one day, she said, at the end of the day, people won't remember what you said or did. They will remember how you made them feel. Now, it's, it's a really interesting quote, but let me just kind of rephrase it for our parenting series. Listen to, what, listen to how we, I restated it. Hey, parents, at the end of your life, your children won't remember every little thing you said or did, but they will remember how you made them feel.
And so family, here's what I want to challenge you today. The reality is, parents, I want to challenge you that if you were at the end, if you were to die today, would they look back, would your children think of you as someone who was a source of encouragement to them? Of someone who every single time they went to you, that, that they heard from God, they were encouraged by God, they were, they were reminded of God's truth or promises? Or would they think, you know, every time I went to my mom or dad, they were a source of discouragement to me? You know, they might not remember everything you said and everything you did, but you know, they will remember, you know what? I remember my mom. She always did that. She always did this. My dad, man, he was always so encouraged. He always was there to meet me in my hardest times and encouraged me with God's word. And so listen, I don't know what, how old your children are right now. They might be grown up, but listen, at the end of the day, you can start today to be that parent that is a source of encouragement to your child that develops them and helps them even in the hardest times because that is what God has called you to do and it is to encourage your children. Amen? So let's be faithful. Let me pray for us. Father God, we just are just so grateful that as we enter into this series of parenting, it could be so complex or it could be so many things going on, but Father, you've given us a simple charge. Fathers, parents, mothers, raise your child and encourage them. Raise them in the ways of the Lord. And so family, Lord, I want to just challenge our church family today, Lord. My prayer is that they will be committed from here on out, even though they think they failed, that they will be committed from today on to be a a dad, to be a mom that is a source of encouragement and not discouragement, because that's what you're calling us to do. Father, show us grace and help us do what you're calling us to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.